Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Milford sets off upfield. He wants a speed to run onto it. He might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will score. Hello Broncos fans and welcome to the round two episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch and I'm joined online by our good friend Simo. How you doing Simo? Yeah, not too bad. How about yourself? Mate, well, we're doing it weekly. So I got the intro right for the first time in about a year because we haven't, we've done it two weeks in a row. I remembered how yeah, the intro. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it feels a bit different doing a weekly podcast. <laughs> weekly. Mate, the Kevolution has had the impact on the show at least. Maybe not what we wanted to see on the field, but on the show we've come back. Two weeks in a row, we're here. We're fronted up, and yeah, we're uh, we're here to talk about that terrible round two, the Broncos news in general, and uh, whatever questions we got asked. But we're here. We're here. To, we're here. I don't know if we're goofy seeing it. I'm not at that stage, well, but I did, but I certainly reverted to a bit of last year, the last couple of days. Two two weeks in a row, we've also edited the run sheet. That's 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 like for the first time in three and a half yeah. years. That did you get there? So I put my notes in my messenger to you. So you got to the run sheet. That's pretty professional from you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, anyway, mate, no no amateur sports to talk about this week for you. Um, no, I stopped playing touch football this season. So retired at the top of the game, mate. Can Smith went out, and then Simo Ali. So this is just the right time. Feels like timing is right for the game. I just had, um, well, AJ was born in December. And so between like six and seven, it's just painful time of day with two kids and all that, which is exactly when touch football's on. So I was like, hey, I'll give this season a miss. Might play next season, don't I? Is AJ sticking? Is everyone calling him AJ? Yeah. Good. Oh, God, I pray it stays that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because like, He's obviously a very white baby. And oh, like, really? <laughs> but like AJ is such a white person name, but Adriel Jeremiah is not a very like white person name. No, Adriel Jeremiah, for a white family, it does sound like you're a religious nut. That's just a fact. <laughs> it just sounds like that. I don't know of the book of Adriel or whatever it is, but probably it's exists. It's not a book. Well, there you go. So you knew that. That's how you're a religious nut. You knew that question. I didn't know that. But, um, yeah, look, I just hope I hope for his sake that AJ it carries through. Maybe, or maybe he likes Adriel, but uh, great name. 
It's one of those things, mate. Right result. I don't know about the process. <laughs> he's probably not even going to know what his first name is because, like, he's never going to get called it. So, That's it, mate. Well, as long as you keep it off like school rolls and all that kind of stuff, you're sweet. I don't know how that works. I mean, I'll I'll just change his name if we have to. I don't care. It's yeah, AJ. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, problem solved. Uh, anyway, we'll get into. Let's do a bit of news first. We can start the, the goo feasting early before we get into the little bit of a recap. Oh, there has been a bit of news since we last recorded. I'm going to start, though, in the latest piece today. The talk of the Katoni Stakes contract offer of being $2.8 million over four years, but also talk of that offer being for him to play six. So, Simo, going to use first. Let's ignore the money first. Let's go your take, Katoni Stags moving to six. It's always been like... It's been a weird one where it gets talked about a lot, but I've never like seen much that makes me want him to play there. Mm-hmm. But like it gets talked about enough as if like everybody else has seen stuff that makes them think he'd be good there. Like, but I just, and so then you just kind of like go along with it. And you're like, yeah, I guess people think that like, I, I don't know. I've never seen much to make him go like, yeah, he would be a great six. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm sitting there with you. It's like, I'm not against the idea. Right. But I've never, seen the thing that goes mate get him in the halves and just you know getting the ball more there like getting him the ball's always been a good thing in attack we all know that getting him the ball's always been a good thing but i've not exactly seen the you know the ball carry in two hands to go to the line engage in the line bringing someone else into the game the kicking game outside of the grubbers to himself i haven't seen that but I, mean, I don't think it can't work but it just seems i don't know it almost seems more like, and I mean, it'd probably be super like Hodges in this, that if he played that fullback, he'd probably break himself. But like, he needs to play more like a kind of modern fullback in attack rather than yeah. a half. Like, just you get like just let him run all over the field and get involved where he wants to yeah. and play out wider. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's just the easy, lazy comparison. But I do see similarities in the Jack White and Raiders move. Like they're both that kind of both poor defensively in the centers. They just were, they just are. That's fine. Uh, but both good, strong ball runners, both play really direct and run, run direct at players. And I think both of them are happy to like live and die by good and bad decisions. Like, you know how Jack White could have a game and throw the ball over the sideline twice and just not give a shit and just keep trying and, and kick a ball dead and not care. And it seems everyone ignores those bad things. It is something good. Everyone loves it. I think there's some similarities to what Katoni could do at six. Because the same thing, mate, when he plays in the centers, he's one of those guys that just, when he fucks up, he doesn't care, and nor does anyone else. Uh, but the it just feels like, for me, 700K isn't that much money. If he's going to be a great six, that's fantastic. But for me, I feel like if I'm looking for a six, and I'm okay. If they're moving on from Milford, that's it. That's is what it is. When I'm looking for a six, why don't we just go try and get a six? Yeah. I don't know. Like, have you, heard, have you heard this quote? I reckon, I reckon not many people have heard this quote. But this comes from one C. Munster. March 13 this year, he says, if another Brisbane team comes in, I won't say no to going back home. I do see myself moving to Queensland after football. And if a second Brisbane team comes in, I could go back earlier than expected. So yeah, I wouldn't say no to that, joining that second Brisbane team. That's for sure. 
Just go get him now. Cut the fucking middleman out. Yeah, what, what, are, what are we waiting for here? Has nobody seen that? At, at, like, if anyone in the Brisbane is listening to this thing, have none of you seen that? We have this same discussion every year when the players poll comes out and they get asked yeah. what's the team everybody wants to play for. And it's like 66% Broncos and 33% Roosters and like 1% Melbourne. Yeah. Just like the Broncos should have no problem recruiting players they want to get in the team. They shouldn't. Um, I do think we have problems now, but I feel like like something like signing a guy like Munster, and we might not get him, but signing a guy like Munster, it's a really quick way to resolve some of the issues we have right now. That is like a lot of players are like hang, waiting to see if they should re-sign. A lot of them are. And Jordan Ricky re-signed and said he hoped a lot of the other fellas follow him. Bruce Walsh is gone, but like if you sign a Munster... You watch the other guys who were all of a sudden thinking about going, oh, I was going to go to, the, to whatever, Bulldogs 100K more a year. You watch that change. You watch it change instantly. That's what happens, mate. And like, that's what uh, – the club needs that more than it needs just keeping the same team together. I know they probably think the same thing will happen if they sign Stags. The other guys will follow. But it's not the same impact as a big signing like Munster could be. No, it's definitely not. And especially with someone that's like one of the Queensland leaders in that origin side. Like – Exactly. Everybody, everybody in Queensland loves him now. Like you know, you, we've come around on him, mate. You weren't you. You had your, your battles back <laughs> back in the rocky days, but uh, we've all come around on on um on old mate uh, Cam Munster. So I wouldn't mind that signing, but I guess that's a pipe dream. I, I think the the main thing is that seven hundred k for Stags. If it doesn't work out, it's still it's not it's a lot of money for a center. But if it doesn't work out at six, it's not like back breaking money at center. Like Zach Lomax is on six fifty. Latrell was on near those money, that money at one point. Like you can get away with it, but it just feels like if you, that's what we want. Let's just go get one. And I know they talk about him playing six in the juniors. What level juniors are we talking here? Yeah, I never listen much when the people yeah. like played in the juniors. Or the other one people bring up a lot is like, oh, he played it for like Samoa or whatever, or Tonga, or like you know some of those. And it's like. A lot of random people playing the halves for those island nations in those mid-season games yeah. and that. Like, and he did play there for us for in the last year, but he got injured, and also that team sucked. <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of random people that play in the halves in those games. Yeah, so like for for Tony Stags, otherwise, so in the New South, uh, the NYC, the last year of that, he played for Brisbane, and he played that season. He played on the wing. The center in the centers and in the back row. That's 2017. So we're talking like four seasons ago, more or five, I guess, if you add include the seasons. I don't know. I haven't looked yet at his at any of the stuff younger than that, but that's already a long distance since you play and you didn't play any six then. And playing like you can say, oh, I played six when I was like 13, but so did like Paul Gallant, like good players. Yeah, like, and you, yeah. Anybody that was in the NRL probably played the halves at high school. Like, yeah. Because the, they were the best players. Yeah, got the ball first. That's how it worked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Cam Munster played hooker, mate. If you're hearing speak, he played hooker growing up. It's like, well, and? <laughs> like, so, yeah, I just think that's a bit of a strange one. And I, and I do think, like, I understand the club moving on from Milford. And I definitely felt like he was so good in round one and then so bad last week. And immediately was so bad, people were right back off him again. But I'll never quit on his potential. I'm just one of like, I'm a sucker, mate. Just like people didn't quit on like Felitti Matteo and John Sutton or whatever. I'm never going to quit on Milford's potential. And when he goes, I'll be sad. And I'll hate every time if he plays well for another club. I'll ignore all the bad games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just bring oh, up all the good ones. Exactly, mate.
but yeah. I do get them wanting to move on. 2016 was like, I know it's like, well, we just said how long ago it was, but it yes. was also that good. Like 2015 also. You go back and watch those Broncos games in those two years and it's just some of the most entertaining footy I've seen in my life. Like, yeah. And Melford was like most of that. And yes. I just like, again, there'll always be like, well, Milford's the one not performing, but there's always like, we've had like, oh, this didn't fall his way. Like there was never a half beside him, a proper half or this or that, you know. But it also is like on him too. Yeah. Oh, 100% it's definitely on him too. So, but it's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, we, there's word out, like I heard that last week, he um he just again didn't take responsibility, which is whatever. But he wasn't making calls during the game again, and neither was Brody. And it's just like, well, what? Like, fuck me, really? <laughs> like, you really just like we're playing this hard until we were in the game for the first like twenty or thirty, despite dropping the ball a lot, and we're really just like not giving a shit because we're not playing at Suncorp still. Oh well, <sighs> it'd be weird. On yeah. Uh, okay, so as I mentioned, the good bit of news I mentioned there, Jordan Ricky has re-signed for three years. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. I don't think it's on big money. I haven't seen the reports. I think it's not that much. But I'm pretty happy with that because uh, obviously losing for feeder and we went from a place a few years ago. We had like Gillette, Sam Thiday, Glenn for feeder was coming. We had Jaden Sewer, whatever, to now having... We had like... At one point last year, we were looking at this season roster going, shit, we've got like Alex Glenn and Ben Teo. <laughs> I mean that would have been great in 2012. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty happy with that. What about you? I mean, I don't think we lost Dave Fafita. We moved him on so we could bring Jordan Ricky into the side. <laughs> like he's the one true talent. Yeah, I mean, uh, he had some terrible quotes. He's um, the poor get, lad. The interview they put of him on the on uh, the the socials. He couldn't have choked up more and they should just shouldn't have published it. They're like, look, Jordan, let's do that again. But, yeah. If it's not live, you can delete it and restart. Yeah. But he um, had his second bite at the cherry and had some pretty good quotes today talking about uh, firstly that he grew up as a Warriors fan, but he moved over here because there's more footy over here and he wanted to stay at Brisbane, but he went on to say like, no offense to Warriors, didn't want to play there, wants to play for the Broncos. Funny thing he said, this is so again, such the signs of how far things fell last year that Kevin Walters can look like a genius compared to those morons. He says, I wanted to stay here. I feel like I built a strong connection with Kevy. Me and Kevy always chat. Sometimes he texts me and checks on how I'm going. That means a lot to me. <laughs> it's like, so is that saying the last head coach didn't even bother sending like the, the, the random text and even like. 80 year old Wayne Bennett has figured out how to do on a phone. Uh, he's, um, Steve Old was too busy getting up at five in the morning going to work. He has no time for text messages. Yeah. Very well put, Simo. <laughs> exactly right. He's a busy man. He's got to work out and all that other garbage. I read that. I'm like, this is it. Like, the club was so poorly run the last two years that. I've been over this, but the guy who picked Boyd over Slater, who picked him by an origin in Corey Norman origin and still picking Brody Croft in seven. looks like a genius compared to some of those fools and some of the decisions that the last two years. And he's not one, but they make him look like one. 
God. And and the other thing he said was that, yeah, he's, he was happy to stay and he's hoping that his re-signing can be the start of other, the other boys jumping on and re-signing. So I did like that. That's after he, yesterday he was just like, oh, yeah, um, fans, yeah, guys, like, love yous. And like, credit yeah. to the boys. He's like, yeah, look, love yous getting behind us and, yeah, happy and, like, like dude, what has any of that got to do with you re-signing? <laughs> he's like, love the fans. <laughs> like, and this poor, poor guy. <laughs> He also did get compared to this is a Pete Bedell special, mate. A two in one comparison. He has said he's the next day for a feeder and also modeling his game over Sonny Bill Williams. Oh, man, that is. <laughs> like, come on, Pete. Come on. Sneaky Pete. And that's the same sneaky Pete the day before at like 4 p.m. or 4 30 p.m. published an article saying they've lost. They've lost uh, Race Walsh and yeah, now yeah. Ricky's going to follow. And the Broncos announced he's signing like 28 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love also that Jordan Ricky's the next Dave Fafita who's about, what, 19 years old? Yeah, I think they're the same age. It's like they, they play for the same like Broncos development system. <laughs> like, like <laughs> calm down. Like Dave Fafita's not Dave Fafita yet. Like he's, yeah. he's not anything yet. Like he's going to be. Most yeah. likely, but yeah, that's it. Pretty funny, and they, he missed the good parts of the quotes. Like Ricky also said that he modeled his game after after Ruben Wiki and Benji Marshall. It's like, yeah, give me a Wiki Marshall combination. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I want. You call, call him Jordan Wiki. It's right there. <laughs> but, um, and then bad news. We'll go back to bad news. So we, we mentioned a bit on the podcast. It got announced the day after, but I dropped a couple of things saying the Warriors. But Reese Walsh is off to the Warriors. I don't know how good he's going to be. I have backed him in. And fuck, I'm, st- I'm steaming. I heard, like, the room, I heard he was going for good money. Then I saw the money was reported like 450K a year. That's not good money. This is, I mean, this is what I said to you after it happened, though. Is we'll never know what we missed out on because he's going to the Warriors, who's probably going to just like butcher his career like a lot of the other players that go there. So we'll never know with the player that he might have been. It's so, I know, but it's like, surely like, and I'm not in those negotiation rooms and I don't know what happened, but you can definitely tell this week, heavy has a shift with Peter Nolan because Gordy's all of a sudden turned into a Broncos mouthpiece. And out of nowhere, Gordy's attacking Peter Nolan like two days ago saying, oh, he's got to support Kevy and help him do his job. And then uh, you've also got the other report for Brendan Piercura's deal that now Kevy's at the coming to make an offer, which obviously again shows that he's got the shifts with Peter Nolan but man, it's like it's just tough seeing like that guy Nolan. Maybe he's good or bad at his job over his career. Maybe, but I have no idea how he's still there after the last two years. You know, maybe you know, like may I don't know after all the contracts that were signed. But you look at the situation as like this is the club that like gave Matt Lodge that contract, seven to eight hundred k a year for like five years. Well, this is also like how, I don't know how you can get to the thing where. Mm-hmm. Two thirds of the players all had player options. Yeah, you've got the Matt Lodge contract. You've got Jack Bird. Then you've got this stuff here that they're all mad about. Like, but also like, so obviously he's offering all these players player options, and they decide this is the thing we hate. We're never doing this anymore. Yeah, how do you not fire the guy that did all of that? <laughs> That's what I don't get. Like, you know, like <laughs> you're like we're completely changing how we're doing this. We're going in a completely new direction. But he's staying. Fire, fire that guy. 
That's what I don't get. It. I feel like Dave Don. He start. He starts on May first, and I think May second. Pete Nolan's gonna be pretty scared after he's had his tour of the facilities. But that's hundred percent it, mate. It's like they all these things they're saying they're gonna fix it now. It's like, but that got. But he's still there. Like again, even if he somehow is a, an amazing recruitment guy, you you were there for that. That's not how professional sports works. You lose your job if you make that window. That's just what it is, mate. Like. But it's like, so this is the club that hand out those deals you mentioned, plus had that one point in time where they paid Joe and 500K and Flegler 600K to play off the bench. They did all that. And then they have this guy that they're like, this is going to be our fullback. He's going to be our guy. You know, there's reports Walt was even trying to get in, like, we'll play wherever you want kind of thing. We lose him for 450 a year to the Warriors. It's like, so wait, so you've gone from all those massive deals. One day you've drawn a line in the sand and the line in the sand didn't come at Matt Lodge or at Joe or at even Flegler, who I rate, but still, even at that, or didn't come there. The line in the sand came at Dave Fafita and Reese Walsh, who could both maybe play for Queensland for the next decade. Yeah. Great. Well drawn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the Pia Kura stuff, mate, like that's the one I'll be, I can cop Walsh going if this is like, that was the, the shake in the ground that that you know gets maybe Nolan moves or there's some change or they sign another guy. They can cop that if it was like the wake up call. But if they lose Piakura on like three to four hundred k a year again, which is like no money, I'll be steaming. And I know no one knows who he is, but I've already wrapped him a few times. Like I'm, I'm so confident that like him and Fafita will be the back row for Queensland for like five to ten years. If we lose those guys in back to back years, I'll be steaming. So hopefully they still for that. And the rumor is Kevy's had to come in over the top, but I reckon I, I don't know. I feel like he's going to go to the Bulldogs now as well. Whatever. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Just it's don't just let, frustrating. Just don't do it. Just don't let him go to the Bulldogs. Like again, out of all the pay plays you overpaid, that like what I, just, I never got the ceiling on the, paying all those middle forwards. We went over this. Like even if those guys are worth that money, you can't pay like seven middle forwards. <laughs> you can't. They did that, and then they've nickel and diming everywhere else. It's just really hard to understand. And then you see the Stag stuff come out, and I know Stags is a great player, and they and they want to move him to six. But it's like, well, you lost a fullback. The guy you told who was a starting fullback next year, he was the plan was he was going to start at fullback next year. So you lost your starting fullback for four fifty, but you're going to turn a center into a six for seven hundred. It's like. A bunch of those middle forwards you were just talking about before. So many of them seem to get paid like what they could potentially be. Like if they lived up and became as good as they could, that's the money they would be worth. Yeah. And then they're like, no, we're not doing that anymore. But then I feel that is like exactly what they've done with Stags. Like, <laughs> yes. Like if Stags becomes as good as he can become, he's a 700K player. Like, Correct. But so, but then why is it like, do they just wake up and they're like, okay, this player we're trying to resign. Let's flip a coin. Heads, we give him everything we've got. Tails, we let him go to whatever yeah. team we want. Like, we just don't care about them anymore. Like, it, it just feels like, mate, I mean, this is an issue for a while that it doesn't feel like they have a roadmap of like, hey, for the next three years, these are the players we have to keep. You know, we've got to keep like, We've got to keep like a Dearden and a Walsh and whatever. If that was their plan, it might not be their plan, but they don't seem to have that plan because it seems to change every year. Like now we've yeah. just Katoni, we've got to keep Katoni. We've got to take coach. We've got to keep Dearden. And I agree with most of that, but it's like, 
So they stay, then what the next guy next year is going to want, like who someone else wants six, 700K. Tessie New comes off contract again next year again. It's like, well, we can't lose Tessie. He's 600K or whatever. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, on a it rotate. seems like, yeah, they don't, I mean, they might have a plan, but from the outside looking in, it looks like there's not much of a plan and they're just going like a day at a time. Yeah. And like, okay, now this is the issue. Like, Tony Staggs is up next. He's the issue we've got to deal with now. We deal with that in its own little bubble. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the next problem. And then we've got to figure out that one with the problem we just created for ourselves, paying Tony Staggs 700K. That's it, mate. You, you've nailed it right there because it's exactly what happened with Fafita because they, they signed other guys and they got to Fafita and, like, you know, it started either thought he would grieve for like 500K and he didn't. And then his money kept going up and it's like, well, shit. Well, well this is. Well, well, well. <laughs> But we just signed Flegler and anyone. Else. Oh, it's like no. Okay, you sort out the feeder. You and then you go and then work your way back. You sort out the other ones, and that's it's so weird. Like coming to this point, every year it feels like three or four key players are off contract. It's bizarre, and it's just they need they need one or two signings to really go their way of the coming weeks to to change the direction those wheels are going. It's it's exhausting. It is. But the other the other bonus out of the Reese Walsh thing is that there's talk that he wants to go now, and they may as well let him go now. But they want to play in return, and there's only like two players I want in return out of that Warriors team. I don't want a mediocre back or forward. I want to, I want like Hayes Perham or Paul Turner because I reckon Hayes probably would have been their fullback round one next year if they didn't have Reese Walsh going there. So give us Hayes. We'll take the consolation prize. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Okay, what other news we got? Oh, Priya Kura, we kind of talked about it or not there, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he stays. I'm not confident. But uh, again, same thing we spoke about, mate. Like, how do we keep getting to all these guys off contract at one point? I don't know. But I do want to talk about Corey Oates playing on the wing this weekend. (laughs) Oh, Our boy Brains. He is just... An absolute specimen. In every sense of the word, mate. And look and demeanor. Like, mate, that's... He spent like four years bitching he wanted to go to the back row. You know? And it's like, for a long time, like, no, you're the best on the wing, whatever, whatever. And he finally gets his way this offseason. He gets his way. He gets to the back row. They give him a whole preseason there. And then he gets to round one and he's not named. And the toys go out the cot and he's a winger the next week. He didn't even play one reserve grade game in back row. He went back to the wing to get back into first grade. It's like, mate, like I'm a big fan of Corey Oates, a long time on field talent fan, but that is a reality check of you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> yeah, but you just wait. Next off season going to be like, I want to play second row. Yeah, that's it, mate. Well, that's another one, mate. Like, I'm a Corey Oates guy and we, we have been for a while, but for a long time though, we were just signing him year to year. And then, true shock, who do we give two player option years to? Oh, Corey Oates on top of one year. And then all of a sudden, big money. We've been over this, but yeah, just you should nothing good for the club is ever going to come out of player options. Either the player tanks and they're not what they're worth anymore and they're going to take their player options and screw you over. Or if they skyrocket in value because they're amazing, they're going to not take their player options and demand a new contract. So why are you giving anyone player options? Yeah, like 
So Corey Oates re-signed his new deal at the back end of 2019 to extend for 2020 plus two-year player options. And from memory, he activated his option like middle of his terrible run of form last year. He's like, <laughs> bang, options activated. I'll take that money. <laughs> yeah, that's it. 30th of May last year, but bang, I'm staying. It's like, exactly right, mate. It doesn't work out in the Colts favor almost ever. That We've been through this as well. The only time I'd ever do it is exactly the situation we just spoke about earlier. If I wanted to get like Cam Munster at the club yeah. and it was like, Three years and the fourth year, he only come if he gets a fourth year player option. Like, okay, I mean, hell, I'd be like, mate, two years and you get three year player options after that. Just like whatever it takes to yeah. get someone like that. Like, not when they have like nine of the current roster on it in a performance based industry. Bizarre. God, it does feel like we're back to a bit of last year. I'm trying to keep the hope, and there's been some good changes we've seen around the, the joint. We have seen, but then I still get to see Brody Croft play halfback Saturday night. So that that's still a thing. Oh, keen for that. Yeah, but the club needs re-signings bad, hey? Like, Ricky's just not enough to keep fans at bay. Well, Ricky's, like, no offense to him, but he's not a huge name. He's like, not. he's a bit of a nobody at the at this point. Like, not having a go at him, but, yeah, like, he's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's signed for, but, it, you know, it seems like he's got, I think the word was about 300 to 350, which is pretty good for three years. And those are exactly for once the signings we because if they re-signed him two years ago, they would have given him six hundred K. You know the way that club was working? <laughs> That's exactly the type of signing we need to do. That's a good one. So do some more of those and we'll be in a good space. Him and him and Payne Haas are the only two good contracts in the club. Yep. So do we want to talk about this goddamn godforsaken round two game? <laughs> Not really, but no. I guess we should. How long have we been? Obliged. I can't see the recording time now. It's been like, like half an hour, mate. <laughs> um, I mean, in general, I guess, if you take out, I mean, there's always like, oh, if you take out this. Yeah. But like it, 10 minutes before halftime aside, not that we were good, but we weren't worse than them. I agree with you, by the way. I don't think the Titans are particularly good in this game. The main takeaway people had from this game was the Titans blew us off the park. It's like, well, but that is true. For 10, 10 minutes, they scored like a 3 million tries. But we were in the game or outperforming them for the rest of that seven, like 80. Yeah. It doesn't mean it wasn't a disgraceful performance because it was. They dropped the, they only completed 65%. And they kept dropping the ball. At the start of that game, they turned the ball over for no reason so many times. But like... Yeah, I don't think straight back to last year, like many people thought, they again, they said, like, again, we didn't let the game go. That little period felt like it, but it was 22 to four at half time. And 28 16 isn't great, but it's like, at least we didn't fucking let it go to 40 again. But like a lot of people were going on about oh, how much better the Titans were playing and all this. And it's like the three tries they scored just before half time were all nothing good they did. They were literally just hit ups. Yes. Like, all of that is just bad Broncos defense. Like there's, there wasn't special backline plays or anything good that was happening. Yeah. Oh, I think there was that weird kick from Don or whatever. But like most of their tries were nothing special at all. Like, and it's just, it, it's just bad Broncos play. But we, yeah. For most of the game, it sounded like Gus in the grand final here. But for most <laughs> of the game, the Broncos were playing better. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. By the way, in that game, I think we could see we can see the single point with Pango on the field. I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. 
and it's not saying those things are always a coral, like a weird correlation thing, but it just feels like without Haas and without Lodge, those periods of those games when we take Pangoy off as well, we get steamrolled. So like he played, he was on to the 17th minute and went off, came back on at half time. So in that period, we conceded 22 points, and then he went off the field again. Uh, they did they did score once when he was on the field. Actually, there you go. And then he came back on again late. But anyway, scored that try at the end. But he's having a red hot year. He looks like the player again. We thought he was he he was, which is great. He looks fantastic. But there's still just like that period there. When for, we all knew Fafita was going to score, right? We all knew this. Yeah. <laughs> it was very concerning how easy we made. He said they just hit up. God, that was that's what they were. God was concerned. He got you this like run over, getting one on one somehow, just running over people in that period. Well, there was the worst hit up was after his first try. There was one just straight up the middle and then like scored under the post or next to the post or whatever. I was like, what are you guys even like? It was Josh King type defense. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. And I've got to talk about this one play that I keep fixating on. And I know you've probably seen it. Or revisit it. But if you haven't, if you're listening at home, I'm talking about 10 minutes into the game, we're in Titans territory and we have the ball and we run a, a, an attacking play from the right hand side of the field. Milford's in first receiver, gives the ball to Croft. Croft gets the ball and there's a gaping gap in front of him, gaping gap in front of him. And instead of running into the gap, he just passes the ball to Glenn and Glenn gets tackled. And on first watch, it isn't much, but every time we watch it, it is worse and worse every time because if he does anything but what he did, we score. Because there's two men out mark, unmarked at the back. There is a gap in front of him. The only thing he's good at is running. Just run into the gap. He didn't do that. So he just gave a crash ball to Glenn and got tackled because this is this a guy, he's such an unnatural halfback. He just predetermines everything he does. He's still good at running behind the ruck because he just tucks a ball on his arm and runs. But if he's not running, he knows he's passing and he doesn't look at the line, looks where he's passing, he passes before he gets to the line, doesn't engage at all. And you watch those things happen, mate. And it's like, how is this man repeatedly in this team paid to do this shit and in the side every week? And like, on top of that, there was the the situation where he did that weird 20 minutes left in the game when JT laughed on the on the game coverage at him, where he got the ball first receiver, dummy to no one, ran left, and then just like didn't know what to do, dummy to turning Bullmore back under and ran into him. You know, ran into ball more and then like walked back and threw the ball to Jordan Ricky and JT just laughed. <laughs> it's like, like that guy was terrible in that game, but I can't get past that 10th minute play of like, if all he did was run the ball or pass it to Herbie at the back, we score and the entire script can be different from there. We've seen with the new rules, once teams get ahead and get on top, they roll away. Yeah. And that, Tiny thing that that guy's been in first grade for so long as a halfback still can't do this basic thing of saying, Hey, there's a gap run into it, or Hey, there's two Titans and four Broncos. If I pass the ball, we score to anyone else. Sorry, if I don't pass to the guy running the decoy line who's hitting one of the Titans, yeah. anyone else we score. <laughs> oh, and he's back in the game this week, but it's okay. He's okay, Simo. They switch sides. So it's going to all work again. Milford's back oh, to yeah. left. Friday's right. This will be completely fine then. It'll be fine. And Milford was awful. I hated that guy. Like, <laughs> Can we get him on a Suncorp contract? Like he just plays games at Suncorp. 
Yeah. <sighs> Not good. Okay. We just we just need to convince like twelve teams a year mm. to bring their home games to Suncorp, yeah. like Manly do. And we just play 24 rounds at Suncorp <laughs> on a Friday night. Yep, I like it. I'm not going to bother with my man Carrigan again. Everyone saw the mistakes and his piss poor effort, and everyone saw those. Um, I also think there's that issue still with this team too, mate. When they make like half a break, they still can't just like die with the ball. They just choke. They throw the ball, mate. Like there was that again. Brody did after Milford made a break, but really early in the game, we fought, we dragged Brimson into touch, and I like tackle two of that set after it. There's a bit on down the right. Sarko dummies, defender doesn't bite, and he gets tackled one on one. Instead of realizing it's not on, he just like, well, f- there's an overlap. Throw it, and he threw it to the Titans, and it's like, Jermaine Chief, we had we had four more of those tackles. <laughs> Many of those happen. It just all the time. Even when um Xavier Coates scored that try at the end of the game, we almost like Tessie had a pretty good game. I thought of all the people who played well for us, I thought he was quite good. Even then, he almost bought. Well, how do we ever happen to us all the times? I mean, how do people get dropping the ball like over the goal line? No other team does it as much as we do. No, they don't. Like they, you go through it. Like that happened in this game week before Brody and Turpin happened. We've been through it so many times. Like, the couple times Oates did it when Jack Bird dropped the ball twice over the goal line in the same game. You know that time his hands didn't move. The yeah, ball just yeah. hit him. <laughs> when he bounced the ball in the end goal, like it just keeps happening. Or when Alex Glenn also had one of those ones when there was no one in front of him and Milford popped him in the short ball and again his arms didn't go up. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't know. Hey. Oh, there's some peculiar ones. Yeah. But in the end, I actually think, as you said, mate, I don't think we played bad. Everyone else in the competition beats us that day. I, I do believe that. That 20-minute period was a disgrace. With a bad that period, not that bad out of it, but that period will lose you any football game. But I don't feel that awful because, like, it's not like the Titans. I don't feel the Titans played us in the park, and I don't feel like like that would happen for that twenty minutes. Just isn't going to happen every week. Well, you touched on it before, but I guess the main positive to take out of this game is that every game last year, when that ten minutes happened before halftime, yeah, they'd come out and just get blown out in the second half. Like there was never any fight back ever. Yeah. Whereas I guess the positive here is that we won the second half. Yeah, we did. And of course, they don't give competition points for that. But I even thought... No, they like, don't. Like, like but... we, act, we actually outgained them, by the way. By, again, a game that generally yardage equals win, we outgained them by over 200 metres. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I thought even Reese Kennedy played all right, Matt. I thought some of the forwards were okay, bar how soft they were in the middle for that little period. We just need Haas and Lodge back, or Haas mainly... So you just can't have that that long period of the game where there's a no Haas or Pango on the field. We can't have 40 minutes. Like obviously we have 80 minutes of that Haas at the moment. We can't have half of the games without those guys on the field. Yeah, and then if you get them both back, you just need to at least stagger it so there's not. Yeah, there'll be periods and they're both not on, but we just can't have like that massive block of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sucks, but oh well. Um this week though, we get we get the, the Bulldogs and we need it. We need a win because we've got after this, we have the Storm, Panthers, uh, sorry, Storm, Bunnies, Panthers, Eels in a row after this game. So we need their win bad. I think we can do it. I've said it too many times. But I think we can do it. Even with Brody Croft and Milford there, I think we can do it. 
Yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not even gonna say we're going to do it now. It's like I think I think we can. Broncos 13 plus. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, next week we get back Lodge and, and and likely sorry, Haas and likely Lodge. Lodge did contract training today, so I'm assuming he's only a week away. Um, but yeah, you'd you'd think now, you know, this is the, the my concern is like if so if we win this game, they probably keep Brody in, in the seven. But we get to play Melbourne. Revenge game, mate. Oh, revenge game. Yeah, it's great. And oh, on the back of what you pointed out the other week, by the way, how Brody touched the ball so little at first receiver in the in round one at all, generally, actually. I ended up looking it up this this week. He has the least touches at first receiver of any halfback in the competition. And that's including Adam Reynolds got knocked the fuck out. So in two games, <laughs> and then less less touches than that. Like Reynolds played half that game. So anyway, he has he has 38 touches at first receiver over two games. Isaiah Yo has 39. Not great. Benji Marshall off the bench has 36. Tavita Pangai Jr. has 32. Like these are people who are touching the ball in the same vicinity in first receiver as our goddamn halfback. 38 or whatever. This is like, yeah, it's what, nine and a half. Yep. In a half of football. For your halfback. Where you have roughly 20 sets. Yeah. Got in the first receiver nine times a half. Out of, yeah. Go like, on, mate. Like sometimes you can have halves overcook it, but we all know there's been, there's be some sets in some games where a team's halfback will touch the ball like six times in that set. You know, yeah. in attacking set, they might touch it every second tackle or multiple times in the one tackle. We have a half who's – and by the way, again, that's 38 first receiver touches. That includes every kick pretty much. <laughs> like that's a little yeah, getting the first receiver. Because it gets passed straight to him on a kick. He's yeah. always first receiver on a kick he does. So that's – How many kicks number. does he have? Oh, he's only, he hasn't got that many. I haven't got that in front of me. But I think it's only like 10 kicks anyway, but still. It's – um, what has he got last week? He has – Oh, this is good Good radio. Last week he has, oh God, scroll, scroll, scroll. Five kicks last week. I think it was like six or seven the first week, but yeah. Okay, so say it's like 11 off yeah. 38. So he's down to 27 touches at first, first receiver it. over two yeah. games. As the halfback, as the guy, again, it's not, the whole narrative about him is supposed to be controlling this team, mate. He's supposed to be getting in the first receiver and all that kind of stuff. But I think the best thing about it though is actually we look worse every time he's in first receiver. So it's probably a good thing that he's not getting in there. Can but... we just, like start sending anonymous emails to Kevy? Like... I don't need anonymous. Listen, <laughs> just, just leave your name on it. Just blast him. Yeah. But uh, it's just embarrassing. And I think one more week like, when, it's just the same thing. Like Kevy, he's picked a pretty good seven A, but we saw this in Origin, mate. He's like, he just gives guys too many chances. He, like it's Kevy. He just wants to be best mates with everyone. Yeah, he's like classic that manager that wants to be friends with people over like yell at people for not doing their job properly. Yeah, and even if he might get mad, like post match, he was he was steaming. By a day later, he's like, oh, mate, I'm sorry. Come on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll play this week, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I'll take, I'll take everything I said. He needs to He needs to set his, like, 17 half an hour after the game. Like, yes. just write it down and, like, that's the 17 for next yeah. week. <laughs> Tell him he's dropped when you're angry after the game because yeah. he won't be angry in 24 hours. And that'll be it. And that, that's, that's my concern is, like, yeah, he just... Got, got a whole dumb line. you got to play your way out of the team kind of thing, you know? Ugh. 
Oh, well, anyway, anything else you want to say about this game? I think I don't really want to bother previewing. I think we should win, but I don't know. The Bulldogs pack is custard, but I don't know. <laughs> I just, I honestly just wouldn't be shocked if we lost. Like, I think we'll win, but I also thought we'd beat the Titans. Well, the thing is, like, this Bulldogs can be really bad, but they've been doing the same thing right now. They're penciling in the calendar. They think this is their first win as well. Yeah, for sure. So they'll turn up fired up. We'll see, but that pack has been pretty poor without Thompson. They also have a tough run, by the way. They have Bunnies and Storm next, so they'll be begging for this win as well. Uh, but, I mean, like, overall, for over the two games, like, that first game, we weren't too bad for most of it as well. Like, I, I was pretty positive after the first game. We played well. Yeah, so, in general, you know, I think we've been playing better than the Bulldogs have been. Oh, it's 100%, mate. We've outplayed the Bulldogs and, and the Cowboys and Sea Eagles and Tigers without a doubt in my mind. And uh, so I don't think we've been as bad, but it's just like I just know looking at that calendar that because of the games coming after it, we just need this goddamn win now because <laughs> even if we can keep playing well-ish and only losing by 12, we're still losing by, you know, if we lose by the Storm by like 10 points, that best loss of the Storm in forever. So if we keep losing, it's still, oh, you're 0-7. doesn't matter if you, oh, we're 0-7, yeah. but we were better 0-7. <laughs> yeah, but we were better 0-7 than we were last year. Yeah, uh, that's it. Anyway, should we go into the questions? Yeah. Um, we'll start on Twitter because there's not many here. Mm. I'll just reload this to make sure. Um, from underscore Mert1, with the problems we're experiencing with the pipeline and identification of talent, was it the right move to continue our Q Cup affiliation with North, South Logan and Wynnum? Do you think these clubs are developing players appropriately? Why isn't Nolan's job on the line? So I think that first part of that question, I think there's been too much emphasis put on those clubs. Like we've, we've only just gone to the three club system this year. We had Redcliffe last year, and that's obviously comp didn't play. But for a long time, we had five or six feeders. But we don't really, like, those clubs don't really develop players for us. You know, like, we sign whoever we want when they're, like, 15 or 16. We, the Broncos have got, like, a million scholarships in rugby league. That's why we have all these guys who are like, oh, the Broncos said no to me when he was 12. It's because we get, like, a million scholarships. But it's like, you know, Xavier Coates was at Tweed Heads. Uh, so I think it was Tom Dean that tweeted anyway. All those guys from the Gold Coast didn't come from our system. Yeah, South Slogan had like Fafita and those guys play there, but like we don't really take them from their system. We already sign the players before we assign them to those teams and then put them in those systems. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, sure, we might assign from them when like they might have been 16 at South Slogan and we sign that player. I mean, we might get first look at a guy now who's not contracted, but like. On the whole, we just we already have the Broncos players. We just assign them out to those clubs. That's just how it works. And when they're younger, they get it. We don't even give them just to feeders. Like for example, again, Coates at Tweed Heads is a, is a, he lives on the Gold Coast thing. Not he's a Broncos junior thing. Uh, so like that's just what it is. And then when they get older, yeah, now we have the opportunity. For example, at Norse, you know, there's Danny Levi playing there. I'm not saying we're going to play him in first grade, but it's like, well, maybe we get first look at him from there because they're a feeder or say, come on, Carmichael Hunt at South Logan and he's having the yeah. comebacks on there and chunky Kevin locks there. And it's like, you know, we get first dibs there potentially, but it's not really their job to give us players. Um, well, this kind of goes into the next question from 
uh, Xavier but, Goats. But, no, we get the rest. What's the rest of his question? I'm going to come back to it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. But from Xavier Goats, this just ties in. He said, was, was the South Magpies backline better than our current backline? And when should we bring in Locke, Oates, and Carmichael Hunt? That South Logan team they've assembled this year, and it won't stay together the whole year. Because obviously Coates, or sorry, Coates, Oates and Dearden are very likely to end up in first grade for Brisbane. But if you haven't seen that backline from the weekend in their torrential rain win over the Burley Bears, so they had they had at uh, fullback they had Credence Tower, so no one knows him. That's fine. But they had Kevin Locke on one wing, Corey Oates on the other wing, Carmichael Hunt at left center inside of Corey Oates. Isaiah Tass at right center, who's on his Broncos development contract to come up from the Bulldogs. Tom Dearden at six, Albert Kelly at seven. That is one of the best. Oh, Albert Kelly. Yes, that is one of the best Queensland Cup backlines you'll ever see. And not a shock they won. And not a shock like Oates and Kevin Locke, even though Lockstick Lock in particular were awesome because Locke would come in field a bit. Dearden was awesome. Kelly was awesome. And Carmichael Hunt was pretty good. Like, there's no shock that team won. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's better, though. It's close. What, what I would give, though, for Carmichael Hunt to be in the Maroon and Gold again. Like, right. Well, Kevin Locke's like looking chunky and had some quotes about he's looking for first grade as well. And Carmichael's like, I won't say no. Maybe, maybe, mate. Oh, man. Maybe that there's more be. of them in the Broncos back line by end of season than in his <laughs> current Broncos. Um, so, yeah, going back to Mert one again, he said, Why isn't Nolan's job on the line? I think it is, mate. I just think. I think with what's happened over this last, you know, four months or so, Dave Donahue hasn't been able to take his job up. Whilst I've done, they've done back off. Sorry, they've done uh, front decisions with the coaching stuff, and so they haven't really done like the front office decisions. They haven't done like any changes in in that respect yet. So I think recruitment guy goes. Who's going to hire the recruitment guy? You know, Dave Don, he's not there yet. So I think he's on the block. I actually just think they would be better off going with nobody for, for three to four, like over that period. But yeah, I, I think he is on the block, mate. Uh, I do want to mention, by the way, in that in that Magpies Bears game, uh, start watching Kobe Hetherington. He's playing at thirteen now, which is good. I couldn't send him at nine. Playing at thirteen, he had sixteen runs, one hundred and sixty meters in those conditions. He was on fire. Only guy making like ten meters run in that game. But I, I do believe he will pretty much debut the moment he's allowed to. So development contract, he can't play, I think, round 10 or 11. But I do believe he'll be on the Broncos bench like pretty much instantly. instantly. So keep an eye on him. And uh, yeah, you'll, you'll get a look at a guy coming in a first grade soon. Another one from Xavier Goats. That Fafita guy is pretty good, eh? <laughs> uh, I mean... It was one of those things, mate. He got one on one with a half twice, and that's just it. That's we know. We know from when he was at Brisbane. That's just it. It's over. I mean, even when he was at Brisbane, he was like he'd run through half the Cowboys side. Like he doesn't yeah. even need to be just one on one with a half. Yeah, like, that's right. But we knew it was like both those times he scored. I knew before he caught the ball, he he was scoring. Yeah, that first one, there was like thirty eight meters of space with him and one other person out there. Like, yeah, he's. Literally like double the size. Of course, he's going to score there. Uh, from Eddie NZ, thoughts on Herbie Farnworth. What's his best position in a fully fit squad? Herbie had a pretty average game last week. The f- like he was pretty poor in that game. He had some decentish moments, but I, I back him in. Uh, I just don't know if his best position isn't on the wing. I guess we'll figure it out. I think fully fit. I think Tessie's been pretty good at center as, as we'd hoped. And I think fully fit this year, it's at least Tessie, 
and uh, Stags in the centers. Maybe they're thinking long term. It's it's Herbie Tessie centers with Stags at six. But yeah, I don't mind. I don't think he's a um. I don't think he's a lock in the starting lineup though. Like I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of weeks if we saw a wacky decision like we saw Corey Oates wing Mead center. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I like it. <laughs> from Mitch underscore underscore S underscore underscore. It needs a new name. Yeah, too many a lot of syllables in that. <laughs> Please provide an update on how Simo's mullet is shaping and what jerseys you'll be wearing to Magic Ground. Well, Simo, we started doing video recordings for this, yeah. which, which made our timing better. Obviously, people have probably noticed, but it is a goddamn glorious mullet now. It is like... I'm doing, doing what I can. Mate, it is well over the collar. It's you know where does it come down to when you shower? Comes down to about probably like five or six inches below my shoulders. How many vertebrae are we talking? We're talking like eight vertebrae. I, down. Know, I can't feel that. <laughs> like, but is it like? Yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's a bit shorter there because it's like in front of my shoulder, but at the back it goes it goes a fair way. What's your magic round? Have you got a magic round kit line up yet? I feel like that's something you'd you'd be on. I'm, I'm not even going to pack a shirt. I'm going to wear this jersey down on the plane, which I'm wearing a Red, <laughs> Western Reds jersey, and I'm wearing that back on the plane back up on Monday morning too. I'm just, just wearing it the whole weekend. I'm going to make Campo proud of me. That's good. Well, like I, at one point, I've heaps of like old English jerseys and I have old league uh, NRL ones too. And it, like if Bradley Brown was last year, I would have worn the old English ones. But I'm so off the Super League at the moment, like with the Toronto stuff. <laughs> it's like, I like, can't wear yeah. the Yeah, mate. So... The Broncos day, obviously, I wear a Broncos jersey, probably the diamond special because it's a special occasion. And the other ones, I'll just pull out whatever old jerseys I've got. I've got like an old Fiji one I wore to the, to the uh, pack tests the other year and I covered myself in tomato sauce. It was good in bright white. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really think about the wardrobe that far ahead. A couple of old jerseys. I might put in the uh, 85 Bengals Ocho Cinco jersey. Oh mate, that, oh, that's always a classic NFL jersey. Well, now we're now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, oh, I just that the eighty-five. It's just such a good fit on my like slightly overweight body too, because it's like you know NFL jerseys are like a bit bigger, so it's just it fits well, and it's not Joe Cinco, so it's all around. It's a good one. Um, from Mitch again, he said, "How's Pickles and Alfie doing?" Mate, Pickles has found this bed. It's uh, from Kmart that may be like, I've never seen something. We bought one. I've never seen someone so connected and, and comfortable in a bed. And I'm envious every day. He sleeps more than ever, doesn't move, but he looks like he is sleeping on a bed of clouds on a daily basis. So he's loving life at the moment. He's got two of them now and uh, that's it. His life is now complete. He lives in a bed, gets up and he eats and then he goes back to this bed. Well, we've got Alfie a dog bed. It's in our bedroom. And yeah. so like when, it, when you go to bed at night, I'll, ch- I'll chuck him up on the bed because it's like too high for him to jump up on most of the time because he's just lazy. But about two minutes after we've gone to bed, he'll just jump off the bed and then he'll just lie on the floor next to his dog bed, just lie on like hardwood floor. Classic dog move, the cold hardwood. Like, buddy, it's literally a bed is like your back is touching the bed. You're lying right up against the bed. Just lie in your bed. Now, Pickles just, uh, no. doesn't want to do it. Yeah, but, pickles only lies on the floor when it's boiling hot, mate. Otherwise, anything like if you put like Mrs. Rolls her yoga mat out, right, to work out every day, and every day he's like, Oh, when she puts it down, he's like, Oh, this is for me. You're always like <laughs> until she kicks him off. Every single day he thinks that's my bed. 
Yeah, no, Alfie just he just always lies around. He's a good fella though, for the most part. <laughs> he gets it. We have this is the most annoying thing he does, but so we'll play D and D, and we have the same people come around at the same time every week, and it's like. Buddy, you should know these people, but they'll walk in the door and he'll spend just five minutes just barking at them. And it's like, buddy, you know, these people are here every week. Like, just chill. But he, he once, once you give him some KFC chips or whatever, he calms down. Some of the dirty bird. Um, from Liam Patrick, 1993. How will Paul White's time as the C- Bronco CEO be remembered? Should this year be included in his list of many failures? We we were on that Paul White fraud bandwagon very early in the piece. Remember there was a couple like two years ago, people like he was getting talked about NRL CEO and we were laughing at it on here. Yeah. So man, he was just made by Wayne Bennett, and outside of that, failure followed him at this club. Like Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I, couldn't care less what he's doing now. He's not getting the uh the big CEO job he thought he was getting. I'd put like this kind of year down on him, like He'd made decisions that are still in place in this year. The new CEO is not even here yet. Like no one's going to remember the name of an interim CEO and blame him for this season. Like, you know, and I'm always happy to pin more things to Paul White anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Darren W006. Hey guys, our best ever teams had a large amount of their salary cap invested in the back line. With Stags asking 700k plus a season to stay, do you agree with this premise? And should this limit then what's offered to Piakura? I don't. I think we have money. They won't limit Piakura's offer at all. We have have like 16 players off contract. We have money to, to to sort those guys out. But I don't agree with that sentiment because our best ever teams are a long time ago now. And even like I, I get we had those superstar backlines as back in the days and Wayne notoriously Wayne Bennett wouldn't pay wouldn't pay a forward. So, well, mate, he's he's paying him now. Huh. Like, that's a long yeah. time ago now. And like I mean, you look at back you look at 2006 Broncos Grand Final side, right? Our last great team. We had some fun ones after that. But you look at that side, and that was just great in every position, pretty much. So. <laughs> You know, it's like it had it had stag and ascenders in that in that year to win it, but they had that great pack and a great back line. Like, I just think the issue with the current Broncos roster isn't oh we spend heaps on backs or heaps on that. We just misallocated funds in general. Like, why is our spine shit? Nothing like like the rest of it doesn't really matter if that's shit. It just doesn't. Yeah. Uh, from us underscore Tedder. Uh, did we actually improve in the second half or did the Titans just shut up shop? Bit of both. Uh, from at like the Mapulis. I moved house in late 2016 and I didn't rehang my Broncos flag at the new place. It is in storage somewhere. Has this caused the Broncos decline? Is this all my fault? I'd lo- look, I'm looking for more people to blame. So <laughs> you're uh, on the list. Um, well, that's the last one from Twitter. So we'll go over to Facebook, which there's a pot, there's 33 here now. Um, uh, sorry, just got to load them all. Um, from Matt Weston, I know you boys probably would have brought this up already, but can we please discuss what Brody Croft is doing behind the scenes to keep this position at halfback over Tom Dean? Some weird stuff going on, that's for sure. Well, can you ask that again? 
Um, start of the top there. Uh, just asking what Brodie Croft's doing behind the scenes yeah. to keep his halfback position. Yeah, I thought he said, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know. Give me a bit of this. Like, I don't know how that guy has tricked so many coaches, well, both good and bad. That's that's the one that always gets me. Is it like it's not just that he's tricked Kevy because like I think anyone could probably trick Kevy, but the fact that he kept his halfback spot for like two seasons plus at Storm. And it's like, and Craig Bellamy, like Craig Bellamy didn't owe him anything. Like you would have thought after like seven games, he would have just been like, no, like I'll find somebody else. But he kept playing there. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like he kept playing there and he was bad for them that whole year and he got a good run at the storm. But like, yeah, I don't know. He did that with Bellamy. Like he, he was like on the path to being the halfback for like two years. Croft leaves. He gets that first year, he kind of flips with Jax. The second year, he gets like the full season until they drop him like round 26, whatever it was right before the finals. But like good coach fell for that crap for an entire two years in the, like the, it's not an easier place to play halfback than there. Uh, that and then like Seaball or not, obviously I don't, but that's still another head coach that he fooled. And this is now the third. And it's not like there's definitely guys out there who fool head coaches. Like a guy like Bryce Carter, I probably get a contract for the rest of his life. Because coaches look at him, oh, look, he's 195 centimeters, 100 kilos, and he can offload. Yeah, yeah. So, and they think they'll get the best out of him. Yeah, but like me and you can see those skills. We can see like even yeah, with all the dumb like, shit Bryce starts, we can see the actual skills. <laughs> yeah, even when like he refuses to make a tackle and he just be lazy, like everybody can see the freakish stuff he can do. Yeah. That's it. And like, even other guys that like, have deals forever, like Tao Tao Moga is still getting first grade deals. <laughs> like he, he's yeah, not playing, but yeah. It's again, a similar thing. Like people will see how big he is. He can fend off a guy and he can get a pass away. Like, yeah. The Brody's a halfback who can't pass or kick or to steer a team. And he bombs every time he gets in half a gap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes, but mate, like, I'd I'd love to know because you think if you had his talents and you're any half decent in your job, imagine how far you could go in your workplace if you were even half just, decent. Once once football's up for him, he should like start selling Tupperware because he'd be a great upline. He'd make a lot of money in an MLM. Yeah. So imagine think of all like the soccer mums he could convince to sell Amway. Yeah. Um from Johnny O'Donnell, do you think the board have more control over the team than Kevy? Hopefully when Donahue arrives he can tidy up the top end yeah i think don i think everyone's gone that holding pattern for donna here to come in and, and shake things up and yeah what may 1st couldn't be couldn't come sooner he certainly yeah. got a challenge mate um some of these there's a lot here on facebook and some of these we've already talked about so i'll probably skip some That's of right. these but from vince uh berlin gary and this is in all caps, but I'm not going to yeah. yell. <laughs> How the F is Pat Carrigan still in the team after last week's performance? And why is he so bragged about? I don't see it. And then there's seven exclamation points. A man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, well, I think we talked a bit about Carrigan. I don't think any of us are really seeing what other people are seeing. Never seen it. Ever seen it. Like It's always just that stat line in the game. And you look at it. Never makes an impact with his runs or his defense. Has big tickets on himself, I've heard as well. Uh, yeah, just not a fan. And 
Maybe if he plays less minutes, we'll get more out of him. But one of those guys that if someone announced, oh, the Broncos, Broncos dealt another blow as X steals, you know, work, whatever, workhorse lock or some shit. I'd be cheering. Like, go ahead. Just do us a favor, somebody. Uh, from Adric Mason, what are your thoughts on this year's jerseys and training gear? I do love that they're. So last year they announced that uh, Nines jersey when like the Nines weren't on. We all knew they weren't on, <laughs> and they announced the Nines jersey. So now it's now a magic round jersey <laughs> this year. They've they've got it out. The magic round jerseys working. It's kind of that nineties vomit pattern. So. Um, that's fine. That interesting. The jerseys this year for mine are better than last year. Still not great Broncos jerseys though. Yeah, pretty much that. What are the tra- training tops? I mean, I'm going to Google them because I don't. They don't stick in my mind right now. Yeah, they're just they're okay. They're Broncos training tops. <laughs> I mean, I I haven't seen these ones, but they should be pretty simple. You make it maroon. You put a bit of yellow somewhere, and like 38 logos from local radio stations. That's that's a training top. Yeah, the training top kind of has the same pattern. I think the Magic Round does on it, but it's just like maroon and dark maroon. Like yeah, the um the away kit I don't mind because you can't see that dumb V that's cutting to it on TV. Like how yeah. it's like the stripes of V in it. But yeah, the home kit's actually I like it more than I thought I would. But it's just much better than last year's disaster kit. Most things are. Mm-hmm. Um, from CR and Paul Watt, will Payne Haas be what we need? Someone to own the Ford pack. I mean, Payne Haas is the man. We already know Payne Haas is our guy, right? We already know he's like one of the best forwards in the competition. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely top 10 middle, better than Jai Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Louis uh, Forster. Is Kevy a Seabold 2.0 with not kicking Croft and Milford to the curb for their bad performances, poor performances? Um, I put in more effort getting to the game than they do playing it. No, because Seabold 2.0 is a whole other different tire, tire level of shit. But I think um, I don't, we, we've been to this as like Milford probably. Deserves a rocket. Well, we said this last year too. I wouldn't be against you getting dropped for a week or two for a rocket to him and the rest of the roster. But you can't drop two halves for one half. Like who else plays six? We don't have anyone else. Like, yeah, well, yeah. You just drop one, and then you drop the other later, and bring the other one yeah. back. You just have a rotating door of three halves. And that's it. Like we didn't we haven't got any other. The other guys who played in the halves for us is Turpin's played there. Stags has played there, but Dearden's the next other halfback, and there's like not really anyone in reserve grade that we have contracted who can come in and play the position. I'm Michael Hunt. I'm gonna get him contracted. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> David Ryland, I have the impression that Kevy is allowing our highest paid players to play themselves either in or out of the roster. I don't believe he's picking the best at the moment, but he's testing their talent versus effort. By season's end, he will know who to move on. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, from, I mean, well, I don't know. I don't, I just want to move Croft on and then like have a few games, have like a couple of, a couple of months, see the team then. And then like, I guess, think about it a bit more. That's it for me, mate. Like I just, 
I know this has been the greatest cop out of Milford's career. We've all used it. Got in, he needs a seven. Can we like just play him with Dearden for like six weeks and just see how the whole team goes? Just just put Dearden in for the rest of the season. Play Milford there. Yeah. Just have a look at it. Yeah, and then it was just it does feel like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's doing the thing. I think he's picking at the best team he thinks he's doing now. Like, I do think he thinks he's doing that. Like, uh, from Daniel Gauchi, opinions on going after Reynolds. I can totally see us offering him a three-year deal and losing Dearden. No interest, mate. Like, I do think Reynolds, he's one of the best halfbacks in the competition, but that's an indictment on the quality of what halfbacks have turned into. That, that upper-class halfback the last couple of years have lost like Thurston and Cronk and those guys, and we haven't had others really step up into that echelon. I think he's better than like Shane Perry, but I think he's like not much better than Shane Perry. Like if you get what I mean, like yeah, if Shane Perry played today, he would be like around about that level. Mate, it's just one of those guys like Reynolds is really good at what he's good at. A great kicking game. You know, pretty good director of traffic and that kind of stuff. But I cannot get behind a halfback for my side that they want to bring onto my side who can't run the damn ball. Just, I don't care if it matters or not, others, but I can't get behind it. And it's like, if we're going to lose Dearden and go for a seven, I'll just go get Sean Johnson, who no one's talking about. Like, because no, I mean, Sean Johnson's more injury prone than Reynolds is. He is, mate. But I just feel like, um, I feel like, firstly, Sean Johnson would fit in with the way the, the players we have in our roster. Like, if you have like a right hand side of like, say, it's like a, a you know, or maybe Stags would be on the right if, if he's remained. But generally, Johnson's played right his whole career. But if it's like right-hand side, you have like Ricky and then you have Net Tessie and Coates with Sean Johnson. I think you're looking at points every goddamn week at that side of the field, you know? And he be nice. kicks well. But like it's Reynolds, if we lost Dearden, it's not the worst consolation prize. It's not. And if we lost Dearden and then that was – if it was Reynolds or nobody, I'd take him. But it's just like, I don't know. I haven't got the big desires that many others have. I, again, I think he's a good player, but I just, I'd just i like to shoot higher if I was trying to steal a halfback or sign a halfback. Um, from Jesse F- Fagan, uh, does Bullimore need more minutes? He always comes on and does some good things, but he only seems to be on when the game is pretty much gone and with bugger all time left. No, I thought I thought he has been um pretty good. He had a couple of tough games last year when he got thrown into the on the edge, which was another ridiculous Seabold thing. That's why that Seabold two point thing, like no thanks. Like the Croft is one issue. Seabold was playing like ten players out of position. But anyway, I, yeah. I do think he has been quite good in both games. He would bring a bit of juice off the bench, but I think mate, that's fine. Like you can just be, you know, he's a young prop learning his way into the game. He can just be the guy who plays fifteen minutes off the bench. That's cool. You know, once we got the rest of the guys fit, we've got Haas and Lodge in there. Having a guy plus 15, 20 off the bench and brings heat to energy is great. That's all you need. Yeah. Um, Jesse also asks about thoughts on a Carmichael Hunt return. I would definitely be pro a Carmichael Hunt return. Yeah. I'm curious to see him play in the dry. I mean, I just, I don't even care how he plays. Just put him in anyway. I don't think that. That take's going to surprise anyone. No, it's not. But he looks okay at centre, mate. But it's just more so when the, when it's pissing down, it's hard to tell if he's on or off the pace because there's no pace in a game, if you get me. Yeah, well, rain and, like, wet weather is always an equaliser yeah. of 
talent. Like, yeah, like great team. You look at the Storm when they play in Suncorp. Like, great teams will always play better when it's dry and they can play faster. Yeah, yeah. like um, there was a try they the, the Magpie scored that was like there was pass from hour and a half. Did and went to hunt hunt. Uh, hold, held eye contact with the winger and passed to Oates. So he didn't know that passed to Oates. Oates beat like four dudes and then Kevin Locke supported and scored. But even that small one looked past it. Oh yeah, K-Man still knows what he's doing. Like he's like, you know, one of those guys like just held held the winger's eyes and pa- pa- passed the ball. And I was like, man, our bloody halfback can't do that. Get him in there. <laughs> Get him it's got to be like, they say it's like riding a bicycle, you know, when you pick up something you haven't done for a while. It's just got to be yeah. like muscle memory at some, at this point too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, from Jamie Ma, I've got a bottle of scotch for anyone who takes Croft out before the game. Yeah. How nice is this bottle? Because it's tempting. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, from Jesse again, he said, Nico Hines is off contract at the Storm after this year. Something worth chasing considering he can play fullback in 5-8. Yeah, I think we mentioned it last year that I was pretty keen on him. There's been like that 14 or the 18th man in the roster kind of filling a few spots. I don't know if I want to make him our six or our fullback, but I think that'd be a good signing. He did have a stinker in Queensland Cup this weekend. He did one of those occasions where he like, they, an average grabber went through and he walked and watched it and then watched someone score. It's like, oh no, but it was almost like a 20 meter grubber. He probably didn't think anyone was chasing it. But they're always, those are always so embarrassing. But it's even more embarrassing when it's Queensland Cup and you're a first grader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's probably like, there's bugger all crowd there. So you can listen yeah. to the people abusing you from like three meters. <laughs> exactly. <away. laughs> I, I saw it happen. So, so every weekend I'll, I'll rewatch, I'll at least watch the highlights of every Queensland Cup game. And I saw him like, Jesus Christ, Nick. I was like, mate, you, that would almost be more embarrassing than first grade for just what you said, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, from uh, Sierra and Paul Watt again. Will Stag's knee hold out the three years? By the way, I think it's Kieran, by the way. Kieran. There you go. Will Stag's three hold out three years? Oh, mate. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not NRL physio, but it feels like. It feels like serious injuries aren't what they used to be, if you get me. The recovery is so good that, yeah, some players, they do they do go through injury struggles and get and repeat and do the same thing over and over again. But also some other guys, we've seen come back from ACLs and you never know what happened again. Six months later, you never know they had one. Unless you doubt how Moga. Yeah, but oh, he had four of them, though. That's the thing. And he's still playing, mate. Like Even things like you look at like Kevin Durant right in the NBA, Tory's Achilles. And before... Like there hasn't been one for a while, but essentially the torn Achilles was like the end of people's careers in the NBA forever. And there's like all these number of things you'll see. There'll be people who post players numbers pre Achilles tear and post, and everyone's production drops like like thirty or forty percent. But there hasn't been someone who's torn one in like a big player in like seven or eight years. He tears it. There's better procedures now, and you wouldn't fucking know. <laughs> like you would know, you've been that good when he's played, you wouldn't know because that's how medicine gets better every damn year. Yeah, and especially for athletes, by the way. Like me and you got to the doctor. We get the oh, same yeah. treatment we got six years ago, whatever. Yeah, if you if you're in the top level of the NBA, you're getting the best the world has to offer. Yeah, well, it's like even a small thing, right? My mum's had breast cancer twice, right? And she had it again last year, and she's got through that. But she had it 15 years ago when I, when I was when I was a, a 15 year old myself, and it was the procedure back then to get radiation was like, you're in a huge machine and it takes forever. 
and it, it was like spinning around all that, you know, as you see on the movies now. And now, it, but it's giving radiation to like a whole body 15 years ago, right? And 15 years later in the same hospital, it's like a small machine that moves around and it's targeted the radiation at the right spot. Little tiny box that moves around and targets it. It's like, yeah, that's just in normal people's medicine. So you've got to think what athletes are getting, what they're doing and the pledges they're getting that it te- guys can, I mean, one of the Morris boys is playing without an MCL for Christ's sake. You wouldn't know. He's missing a tendon because they have better treatments than, than the average person has access to. Yeah, I mean, these treatments never help Derek Rose. No. He, well, again, he's never it, the same player it's the same. again. It's easy to remember like the, the five or six guys who keep doing the same thing. You know, it's easy to remember that the Tom Tavoyevich hamstrings right now, the Tate Moga five ACL tears, all those ones. But every year, like 10 guys tear their ACL. And we never, yeah. two years later, we don't remember it happened because half the, most of the time they all bounce back these days. Um, from Scotty Jim, is there any hope or should we stop watching for three to five years? <laughs> That's, I'm never going to stop. I have a problem. That's grim though. Yeah. Um, I think there is some hope. I think at least the last two games, I hate being the brave losers but at least the team didn't fucking quit. And that's when you can, I can watch my team lose if they don't quit. I mean, we kept watching the team last year when they did quit. So I mate, last year was like, I was ready for the season to end after like round six, you know, uh, I mean, we're talking about the spoon member here, like round five around five or round six. And yeah, we've seen crazy. We were, like, that was, a, it happened. Like they were just awful, but we remember last year that we could see the try and they get behind the post and you're like, Oh, they look like they want to go home and it's four minutes in. <laughs> this is great. I remember our podcast last year, we literally, we'd turn on the recording and then we just read the questions and be done. That was yeah. our podcast last year. Right. When we turned up every six to eight months, whatever it was. <laughs> um, from SJ Chapman, when, when will the board be held accountable for this mess? Never. So I never held accountable in sports, mate. Everyone, it's always the head coach, always. It's because no one sees the board. Yeah. You see that, like, the try gets conceded and then it cuts up to a view of the coach straight away. Yeah. To be fair, though, with Brisbane, because it's such a well-covered team, the last two years, the fingers have been pointed a lot at everybody else, which is very well, like, rare. Talis helps with that and, you know, people like that. Like, they're happy to, like, call it out and have a go. Yeah. Like, again, you name a chairman that's not Nick Politis at another club. I dare you. Nobody knows him. They know Nick Politis and now Carl Morris. But, but <laughs> people know Broncos board members. They know Lockie's on the board. Dave, everyone knows the CEO. People know the Broncos recruitment manager. And again, they probably can't manage, name any other clubs because they're reported on. And, like, and that's one thing that happened this year is that in through all this, the other people got the blame they deserved as well. Seabold got the blame he deserved. Paul White's now gone. Carl Morris said he'd be in the job for like a year or two. He's been copying it. Peter Nolan's on the heat. The blame is going there. Whereas look at a club like the Bulldogs and that board just sitting there like two thumbs up. Like, mate, <laughs> you got it, Baz. And if you don't got it, well, mate, we'll, we'll see the next guy. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> Get rid of Dean Pay. The board yeah, stays. New coach comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Barrett will be moved on in about a year and a half. And the board's just like, mate, I don't know these bloody, these bloody head coaches, mate, they're just coming here. I don't know what they're doing. 
players he wanted. He signed 38 backs on 700k. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we let him, but look at him. Look at him. Hey, how about that Nick Kotrick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last question here from Robert Ross. Lachlan Lewis is in need of a new team. Imagine that for a halves pairing. Brody Croft and Lachlan Lachlan Lewis. <laughs> Oh, uh, no. Oh, don't, don't, don't put that in the, into the world. Lachlan Lewis. We straight away, mate, his dad. <laughs> Sorry, not his dad, his uncle. <laughs> get him, get him both statues outside Suncorp. Stick Lachlan up right beside what the king. Yeah. Lachlan Lewis is one of those, they don't happen as much in the NRL these days as they used to. One of those guys who had like six weeks where people thought he was good. I remember he was getting called the prince. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brody, Brody Croft was one of those. Now, I Brody like, Croft had the two games. Yeah, he, he had that where because everyone was like, he's the next Cooper Cronk because he was basically the same height yeah. and white and had like a similar haircut. And then, yeah, it was like straight away, everyone was like, oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people were like, he's not the same. Yeah, I mean, uh... So he had like Lockett Lewis had that period there. He's like t- pausing time and looked good. Yeah, yeah. where he'd like yeah. he'd, he'd point to the winger as he had to kick to, and then stand there for thirty. <laughs> and, then, and then they'd <laughs> score, and everyone's like, "What the hell? <laughs> this this can't last." And it did not. Uh, but he he. I like him some games when like there was that Souths game where he just tackled Sam Burgess like 38 times yeah. and we just hold him down and Sam was like wanting to throw fists. I did like that, but yeah, I don't want him on my team. No. I do like Robert's, uh, Robert's comments. It's just, just a comment. It's just a statement. Yeah, yeah. It's not a question. It's just that he's off, off contract. No. But yeah, that was the last one. Yeah. But yeah, Brody Croft, um, mate, there was those two games, as you said, like, his debut game, and then his first game. So his debut game was over Origin in 2016, and he had a good game. And the next year, he he had he played like four games. But I remember that you talk about that Croft thing. I remember coming in when when Cooper Cronk left the Storm, and it set me off so much. Fox Sports on one of their stupid pregame shows, they cut them next to each other in slow mo, and they were showing the dumbest shit. Like they were showing Croft passing and Cronk passing. And it's like, mate, if you put me in slow-mo next to Kronk, you'll go, yeah, mate, he passes, passes just like just like Cooper. Everybody passes the same. The, yeah. That's how you pass a football. And they just say they put him next, next, next to each other on grubbers, but the grubbers were entirely different. Like, they're still like, look at, like, have, a, have a look. If you look, you see uh, these guys, it's, they, they keep the same. The same height, white man. Like, like, that's, was, that's all the similarities. I was furious. It's like instead of like putting together actual full plays and things they did, did and next to each other to show the similar players, Let's slow down an innocuous pass. That's how they're similar. It's like, it's might as well take photos of them standing next to each other. Look, they stand. They both stand. <laughs> I don't think they have those plays that are similar to show you side by side. Exactly. That's the problem. That's exactly the problem. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, awful. Like, yeah. I think we're done. Yeah. If I've butchered anybody's name, feel free to like message me on Messenger and I'll probably see it in about three months. But. <laughs> I don't you know. feel free to message him though. <laughs> I well, I don't practice them before. You just see some names pop up and you're like, I have no idea how to pronounce that, but I can give it a go. Yeah. 
100 percent right. okay that's it we're done here yep i'm done okay so there everybody see ya next week maybe <laughs> serves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.